Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Michael Curzon and I'm joined by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? I'm good, Michael. The the sun, the beating sun has gone away and it is a cloudy, cloudy sky here today. Well, do, by the way, do you know that Sam uh, styles himself as a poet? Um, <laughs> there's the hint. Yeah, I'm very glad. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm actually I'm... happy to talk about the weather this week because the, the unbearableness has passed. Um, as people say, we're just not geared up for it in this country, are we? And um, no, it's it's a country which has um, radiators in, in lieu of air conditioners, so it is it is not built for summer. No, it's not. Um, so I'm I'm very pleased we're we're back to where we are. Um, we'll start this week's episode with an announcement. People may have already seen it um, on our social media or on the website or elsewhere. Um, but for those who haven't, Bournemouth Magazine. Um, obviously thinking that a magazine and a, a digital section and newsletters and all the rest of it wasn't enough has decided to go into book publishing uh, so we're launching the Bournebrook press uh, that's that's all that's out at the minute we've got another announcement coming tomorrow um, as to our first release um, obviously we're, we're not sure yet how many we'll be able to release as time goes on in sort of the time frame that would all depend on on how well maybe yeah Yeah. but we've got some we've got some good things planned um a range of things planned as well which we hope will reflect uh that at bornbrook it's not just about the sort of day-to-day political goings on in fact it's got very little to do with that it's more uh we our, our main focus is actually cultural um and sort of patriotic rather than the day-to-day squabblings between the party machines largely because we know that we're uh, they sorry are, are pretty much the same as each other when it comes to the main parties um so yes please do look out for that at bornbrookpress.com mm. you'll find all the information there and also check it out tomorrow and as i say you'll see the first release and be able to pre-order and all the rest of it and uh, we'll appreciate any support if i can just add 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 one thing it's sort of um it's it's more than just launching a, a book press is also a matter of you know sort of making Bournemouth a more holistic thing we've been talking for a long time about how we wanted to make it um more than just a magazine and make it into sort of a, a, a an institution a, a a pillar if you will and um this is a this is a big step towards that yeah i think so i mean our, our sort of aim isn't to sell a load of magazines necessarily um but it's to uh create a, a place where uh either traditionalist or conservative or or generally as as, as uh, Collingwood says now of his newsletter actually uh, just intelligent Britons Britons who are interested and and don't find that much of the media actually provides a space for just interesting analysis or commentary uh, c- can land and obviously that comes in different forms than just magazines um, and it, I'm sure it won't be the, the last thing we we add on to the list of things that we do um but that all depends as i say on on people being interested in it and um getting involved in it so if if that is something you like the sound of then please do if not then uh well, have a nice day You're probably <laughs> anyway uh, if not then uh, um please uh audio please, alone. <laughs> please buy a book please buy a book it, yeah. it, it helps us enormously we have put a lot of money into this and time well that's but, true um uh, Yes, we'll we'll go on to that. That from that onto the the first topic today, and uh, saying as I just did that we we don't normally engage in the day to day political affairs. I'm going to have to break that rule now within uh, two minutes, uh, which is quite um, quite 
prescient considering the, the topic we're discussing, which is the Conservative Party, which is very good at saying one thing and then the next minute doing the opposite. Um, we're down to two candidates, which I think was pretty obvious. I think we said this last week, actually. It's been pretty obvious for a couple of weeks, especially since the ERG, the European uh, Research Group, which is considered the more right-wing group in, in the Conservative Party, which is... Uh, is it's hardly a, a, a sort of an excessive claim, but anyway, um, went behind Liz Truss, back Liz Truss. Um, so the you know the, the Liberal Democrat anti-monarchist Remainer uh, candidate, which is great, um, and the other candidate is Rishi Sunak. Now, I think it's pretty clear that Truss will win it um, because not many of the membership like Sunak. Um, he seems too besmirched by the previous regime which he was. At the centre. Well, I say the previous regime because, of course, when Liz Truss becomes prime minister, there isn't going to be a change in regime. There's simply a, a change in in its figurehead. It'll be very much the same. And yeah. that goes also if the Labour Party wins the next election. Yeah. We won't have really a change in in direction. We'll just have a change in uh, in in the figures who are at the top representing it because both the parties are the same. All the oh figures... yeah, I mean there there hasn't been a regime change since '97. At least, no. Um, and it's it's quite amusing that to try and disprove this theory, to try and say they will be so different and that they will be uh, the most conservative thing uh, that we've seen in decades, they're both vying to to sound the most factorite. That's very much been the the focus of the last couple of weeks, essentially. That. Um, this, you know, I, I will cut the taxes like Thatcher. I will respond to the war in Ukraine like Thatcher would have done, which seems to me itself a complete non-starter. Um, it's always said, by the way, conservative or so-called commentators uh, in The Telegraph and The Times will always say what the Conservative Party needs to do to become more conservative uh, is to be more Thatcherite. And it's complete nonsense in a social sense and in an economic sense. I mean, in an economic sense, I think it's, it's fairly easy to realise that because she was very much a free marketer, sort of globalist who appeals to uh, the, the rich, wealthy businessmen rather to than uh, the workers on, on the ground, I suppose you could say, which I think are not more at heart with conservatism, or perhaps they are because they're the ones who drive the community in the first place rather than sort of try and destroy it for economic purposes. But even socially, um, where Thatcher is said to be, you know, this raging traditionalist uh, because she implemented, for example, Section 28, I think it was called, on, uh, on, on uh, propaganda of homosexuality, essentially, which in any case was never really enforced, it's, it's reported. Uh, and also she was, had quite liberal views on homosexuality for a time. Um, but on, on all other sorts of issues, people were very hopeful uh, that she would she would be more conservative, say, about abortion, about sex education, about family values. And she painted herself as being more traditionalist. She said that she had Victorian values. But all these groups later came out after she'd been in power for a few years and said just how disappointed they were that she'd uh, talked the talk, but uh, actually then shoved through the liberal policies through the back door, and um, it, one of the one of the groups at the time said, for example, that she'd simply delivered social sop to win the Christian vote, um, which I think we're getting today. Really, we're getting some sop about factorism uh, in order to win the leadership competition, but it means nothing. And and if we are to be critical about it, then actually being more factorite is hardly anything to rave about. 
Well, well also that's the thing is that when they um, when they sort of cite Thatcher, they're not citing Section Twenty Eight. That the, you know, the, they will they will avoid that at all costs. What they're citing is two things: one is the economic liberalism, and two is the "quote unquote" strong woman angle of of like, of Liz Trust, right? I mean. Um, it's just a question of you know which flavor of liberal do you want again as you mentioned do you want the 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 the, the lib dem adulterous remain voting anti-monarchist or do you want the stanford educated startup tech bro you know um and as i was saying last week you know the the economic liberalism of of people like thatcher and reagan and milton friedman is an extension of liberal morality not conservative morality you know mm-hmm. conservative morality places money significantly below tradition and social order yeah and and the the, the again the 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 freebanite worldview of the um <clears throat> of the uh, uh i believe the chicago school of economics is yeah. just it's just liberal morality transplanted onto industry and economy it is you know um freedom is an end of itself rather than a byproduct of a, of a functioning society it is, you know, do what thou will, um, whatever the cost. Um, you, know, you are incentivized financially to screw over your brothers and neighbors. Um, you know, it just sort of, <clears throat> it, it's it's greed, it's endless appetite. There's nothing, there's nothing conservative about that view of the economy. No, not in the slightest. Um, and the, the, the frustrating thing about all this is that actually the, the policies which don't emphasize money, I mean, just for a start, we hear all the time everything is about GDP and this leadership competition has been more about financial matters than any I can remember, certainly over the past decade or so. Um, it's been all about taxation. I mean, it's been rather ironic hearing from Rishi Sunak, who's just raised our taxes, how much he's going to lower them all. Um, but regardless of that sort of irony of the, the stupidity of it all, how many times do we hear about, oh, we're going to lower this tax or we're going to we need to increase this tax in order to help lower the burden on all this? Is this all that we're interested in now? Perhaps <clears throat> GDP, taxation. Surely, I mean, I understand we're in the cost of living crisis, but there's half of these taxes wouldn't scrape any of this anyway because the causes um, aren't necessarily to do with that. That's just a, a response. I mean, surely having a more serious approach to what's going on in Ukraine would be a good start for alleviating the crisis, um, getting rid of many of the sanctions which have a heavy impact on us at home, which both Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss have highlighted, uh, but neither of which would ever say that we're going to lower any of the sanctions, despite our clear knowledge they have no impact. Um, because Russia is instead getting uh, all of its support through China, Iran, uh, India increasingly as well, and Turkey. Um, so it's complete nonsense in that case. But none of the actual, you know, uh, proper solutions to the problems will be discussed um, because, well, it wouldn't be very much of a vote, would it? But saying you'll lower taxes. Um, in a way, I, 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 I kind of, I, I'm sort of on board with that in a way, in that I think, for the average Joe in this country, taxation is absurdly high to the point where it is almost crippling. Um, it it ends up once you pay for all, all the different pointless licenses and national insurance, income tax, and that sort of thing. Not to mention the cost of you know fuel, petrol, insurance, um, rent. You end up losing a, probably about two thirds of your income to just basic survival necessities, but also arbitrary arbitrary taxes. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but again, you know it's it's. Um, when you think of cost of living in the housing crisis, um, it's not just a matter of how much money you have in your pocket. It's also the fact that, you know, um, 
the the consequences of a of 20 25 years of a completely reckless immigration policy has put strains on on resources that that weren't always there you yeah. know um, um, let's be frank. That's that's still a lot of polling recently has shown this. Actually, that's still one of the biggest uh, topics in British politics. Massively so. You talk about the cost of living, and people will talk to you in response about migration. These things are they, people link migration to all sorts of issues. In many cases, not actually correctly. Uh, that might have some sort of impact, but it's not the main driver. Well, on housing, for example, it's obvious. Uh, that, that migration is going to have an impact on work. People will always cite migration. Um, and, and regardless of how important people think it is uh, in terms of uh, its impact on, on these sorts of issues, which uh, we care about today, it would still be a conservative policy to say, and a traditionalist policy say, well, we need to have some form of control over our borders. Actually, it's got nothing to do with conservatism or, or anything of that sort. It's just a sensible policy to have control over your borders. And it's certainly a patriotic, a patriotic policy. And yet the party's yeah. completely uninterested in it. Is it interesting that the the only politician that I've, the only sort of frontline politician that I've really heard say this, um, a bit apart from figures like you know Nigel Farage, <clears throat> would be uh, Bernie Sanders. He was asked about open borders, and he said that it's a uh, it's it's a billionaire's policy. Um, yeah. You know, because it it drives down wages. It, you know, it it it, it um, imports people, especially if they're undocumented, who essentially can become a sort of an indentured servitude class, where you know they. Um, as a condition of their arrival in, in the in the given country, they will work for very little money and it will drive wages down. And ultimately, if you're a businessman, you know, it, through the decades of economic liberalism that, that, that's been sort of enforced top down on, on the Western world, you are basically incentivized to keep your bottom line up, right? And if you can get away with paying peanuts, you will. Yeah, but definitely. I mean, let's be frank. The the it, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that Sanders would say something like that because the the scaremongering about a lot of the left wing politicians over the last few years has been uh, largely unfounded. And let's be honest, we wouldn't want Jeremy Corbyn in office. Uh, it is quite a worrying prospect. But at the same time, it's it's wrong to dismiss all his ideas just because he's Jeremy Corbyn and therefore a fool on lockdown. Yeah far more sensible on maybe not on immigration fine but just on the the general approach towards workers um i think is far more sensible certainly than that the conservative party um just to dismiss it out of hand yeah i mean i i i see him i see him in a i see him in a very different light now to how i saw him two three years ago yeah well that's true um theresa may let's be honest is uh especially after we've had boris johnson for what a year um well actually more than that three years obviously uh is slightly less um unappealing than she might have been at the time i think although i did write a piece after she finished saying uh that we we might perhaps regret booting her out in the way that we did one day and that she uh she deserves slightly less criticism than she was given and i'm not normally one for saying a politician doesn't deserve much criticism um so yeah, it is. Um, this this more than anything, this Tory leadership election has made me think about. You know, near election time, I've not voted before, and I always say this, and I tell people, just don't vote for them. It's pointless. Someone will talk to you for twenty minutes about how much they despise these politicians, how they know that nothing will change whoever they vote for, and then when you respond to them, yeah, I completely agree. 
don't bother voting for them. They say, well, hang on a minute. Now that's ridiculous. It's, it's we have to, people died for this. You've got to vote. Uh, otherwise this and this will happen. You think, oh, for goodness sake, you just, you're, you're disproving your own point. Um, what you've just said, you're discrediting, sorry, your own point. This has brought home even more the, the realization, not just for in me, not that I needed it anyway, but I'm sure many people will look at this and think, what is the point of voting? Well, what is the point? There's something something to unpack there. I think that whole argument around, you know, people died, obviously invoking the image of the Second World War and you know, the storming of Normandy, it's a, it's a very big part of the, 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 the serial gaslighting that liberal democracy relies on to, yeah. to maintain its place. Um, those young men didn't march into certain death for liberal democracy. They did it for their country, you know. Yeah. They didn't do it for corrupt politicians. They did it for their neighbours, the greengrocer, yeah. the shopkeeper. The and banker. I think, as, as many people think now, that these parties are doing harm to our country, so why on earth would I vote for them? On the basis that people fought for the right to vote, I shouldn't vote for them. Yeah. Because, uh, well, on the, on the basis, sorry, that the people died for our country, which of course they did, rather than for the right to vote, why should I vote for them? Mm. And, and also it's worth remembering that if you are going to say they, they died for our right to vote, they equally died for our right not to vote. Um, the fact that the vote is there as a choice is the point. It's not that we therefore have to do it. It's, uh, not voting is an action in itself. Um, obviously, yes. not some people don't vote for the fact they they either don't know or are too busy eating Doritos in their pants. But other people don't vote because mm. they they look at the options and think, I don't like any of these people. None of them represent me. I am not putting my backing to what they say and what I know and fear they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yes, I, 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 um, I've, I, you know, I've, I've made this very clear in the past, and I've, I've uh, repented of my sins. But I, I did vote for this current government in 2019. You did. Um, <clears throat> I did. I did. Um, I mean, granted, granted, my my vote was a dropper in the ocean, considering I live in a remarkably safe blue seat. Um, no excuse. No excuse. No, and not at all. And I'll, I'll take the shame. That's all your fault. I will take the shame of this to my grave, but um, <laughs> I, I, I haven't voted since and I, I have no, no desire to. No, no. Maybe one day if it seems there is something that will... I would need to be jolted out of my seat in order to... Sorry, I tried to, I tried to say something optimistic and I couldn't even finish the sentence. I had no idea what to say. Um, <laughs> so I'll stop on that, on that thing. Um, yeah, no, it, it is pretty miserable, but it's also worth saying, um, because people were very excited about the prospect of Kemi Baden not becoming a prime minister, which obviously the, didn't happen. The least, the least rotten apple on the tree. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, this may be true, but I, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I'm split on whether I wanted her to win or not, not because I thought she'd make a difference, but just purely on how it would shape people's minds about the party. Would it be good if she won because it would soon become clear that nothing has changed and therefore turns more people off the party, which can only be a good thing, I think. Uh, or would it be bad in that, you know, these people are so good at spin that maybe people would believe she was making a difference. Uh, I, was, I was finding it difficult, which would be best, but I think what's happened is pretty perfect actually, uh, because it's been proven, uh, not that we needed it proven, but it's been proven that the Conservative Party doesn't like people with them sorts of views that she has because she's not even made it to the final two. Uh, the MPs wouldn't even let the membership uh, vote on her. Um, so that's pretty good. That's pretty damning for the party. Even more damning, though, as we said last week, 
um, that Boris Johnson, as if he couldn't get any less conservative, is being replaced by Elizabeth Truss. That is excellent. Um, I'm still excited by that. Uh, I know she's going to do a horrendous job, which makes it all the more exciting. Um, not because I think she'll be any more damaging to the country than Rishi Sunak would, or indeed than Kemi Badenoch would have been, or Penny Mordaunt, or uh, Suella Braverman, or all the rest of them, because, again, they're the figureheads. They won't make a difference to any of them. Um, but their, Liz Truss's um, general approach is so horrendous that... Um, also, some people think I can't back this any longer. And also, it doesn't really matter what happens. I mean, the the the, the nature of the party is that it, it is, uh, as I said before, the, the the Tory party serves one purpose. Now, it is the entry point into the UK for international capital. It is yeah. the <laughs> it is the, it is the UK's currently designated continuity party. Right. The the. The cadaver of Oswald Mosley could reanimate, enter politics, win a seat in Essex, become party leader, and he would become liberal, right? Look at, like, Rhys Mock, right, who was sort of, a couple yeah. of years ago, was seen as being, you know, the, 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 the last bastion of hope for any sort of traditional morality in the party. I brought into that very briefly, I must say. Yeah, me too. That's one of and, my and, biggest threats. And, 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 you know, and, and he, was, he, was a, he was a proud backbencher, he didn't want anything to do with the cabinet, Gets a job in, in in Johnson's cabinet, and then got to the the party nucleus and just completely lost his resolve. I mean, like it doesn't matter who it is; it could be the most reactionary person alive. The party just corrupts people; it robs them of that fire, <coughs> and they just become one with the machine. I I you know because you aren't beholden to the party base; you aren't beholden to everyday people in the country, you're beholden to the donors. Right? That is the problem with every political party in the UK. And it is a problem with, problem with British politics. That, you know, it's the reason why, um, despite my, you know, my, my support for them in terms of like, I will always root for them, I think the SDP would ultimately come, hit a wall here where as it, hasn't, as it is constitutionally anti-donor, it couldn't reach those heights. It couldn't fund a full election campaign because um, you need that financial backing to make a, an entry into British politics, not to mention the, the system of voting is geared towards the major parties. I mean, look, look at UKIP, who gained you know, 5 million votes and got one seat, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I find it difficult to criticise the voting system, only because a proportional representation would result in the Conservative Party always existing to some extent, and the Labour Party, it has to be said, whereas um, just as uh, first past the post makes it very difficult for a party to get in. It also makes it quite easy for the electorate to completely boot a party out. Um, it's not it's not the voting system, I don't think, which is failing. It's the political party and it's the people who continue to back them. Oh, no, no, the, the system isn't failing. It's it's going according to plan because it is it is designed to keep the monopoly of the major parties. Well, maybe, but. More important, though, is that people, you know, the donor point is true. And, you know, that obviously has big influences in the press as well and all different forms. But at the end of the day, the public just isn't interested enough to change its mind on this. It's too tribal for a start. Uh, it's like probably uninterested as well. I mean, readership levels of, of the people just don't care anymore, do they? Let's be honest. People don't care about politics. When it comes to an election, if they do vote, they're voting tribally. Uh, but other than that, they say, oh, I don't watch the news anymore. I'm too fed up with it. 
uh, don't read the paper. I mean, we know that paper readership is massively down. Um, mm. All these things. So I can, I have to, I always come back to the point that I, I think a lot of this is actually down to the, the British people. Unfortunately, I don't like to say that. I don't think it's very nice. And it, it's disappointing because, you know, this is where Farage, I think I said this last week as well, but Farage, one of his, uh, one of the silliest things he ever said, and I don't know if he said it because he believed it or because he was uh, a leader of a political party at the time wanting votes. But every time a Remainer would say to him, hang on a minute, you can't give pe British people the vote on whether or not we should be in the European Union. This is a really difficult constitutional uh, thing and that, you know, we can't, we can't leave this big an issue to the British people. He would say, oh, do you not think they're clever enough then? Do you, you know, how, how rude, how unpatriotic you must be. No, it's not rude or unpatriotic to say that they're not interested enough or have the calibre to understand certain things. It's just a fact of life. Um, yeah, no, it, it's not a question of intellect as, you know, um, uh, I don't think any any member of the political class could bleed a radiator or build a house. You know, um, it's a matter of apathy. Um, you know, I think just the task just seems too gargantuan to even really get off the sofa. You know, like if a new party was to win an election in first past the post, that would require flipping three hundred twenty six seats entirely. You know. That, they, that that requires a, a massive, massive groundswell and a lot of um, voter action um, that hasn't really been seen since the referendum. And even then, that was like a once-in-a-generation thing and probably won't be seen again. You know, the, the last time that something like that happened was probably the first Labour government. It, it's not going to happen. The, the difficulty here, obviously, as well, the referendum was a really... It was an easier win, I think. You know, a lot of Brits hate a lot of well dislike a lot of european officials french the germans let's be honest uh and also it became an issue about migration and so saying to people basically do you want migration up or do you want it down that was an easy win uh you, there's not many topics like this it's like the whole net zero referendum the the uh reform party's trying to do why how how dumb were they to launch that obviously it's going to go nowhere because it's such a complicated issue most people don't care about it fine if you're in a pub and you say to them do you want your bills to be increased because of a new wind farm they'll, they'll tell you no i'm not saying they don't agree with it i'm just saying it's not a, it's not an emotive issue and people are driven in politics largely by emotions it's not going to get anywhere um so it's this is the difficulty i think we have in in bringing about change you need issues that are massively emotive and that strike at the core issues immigration being the main one of them the EU referendum did that massively, it did it effectively, and Farage was very clever in how he operated that, and so were the other people involved in it. Um, if you can find another issue like that, then you'll be able to take another brick from the establishment's wall, but I don't know, there's mm. very few of them, I think. Mm. And I'd say one more thing on, on, on the donor class, specifically within the Tory party, and it's that, you know, it's it sort of, if you, if you do assume that... Um, the the donors to the party are highly influential on party politics, which, which I think is a given, considering you know the policies of the last of the last several decades. Um, and you're a business magnate who's a who donates you know millions a year to the party, you know funds conference funds election campaigns that sort of thing. You no, know, it it serves your interest to have a borderless global you know economy, um, given that in the modern world. The, the nation state is no longer the highest level of civic life. It is global. 
if you want to if you want to conquer the world you do it through money not through militarism you know i mean since since you know julius caesar and under the great the men who have conquered the world are jeff bezos you know they're you know nike you know it's apple google you know they've conquered the world not 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 any general or emperor or president or king um so yeah, I mean, it, it, if, if that is the case, that you know, we live in a, we live in a in a time where politics and big money and the press are virtually indistinguishable because they all incubate in the same elite institutions. They all hang out. They all hang out in the same pubs, go to the same dinner parties, live in the same neighborhoods, live in the same parts of London, which, by the way, are protected from their own policies. Um, because they're you know they're, they're they're clean, they're safe, they're crime free, they're you know largely homogenous. Um, then the, there's uh, there's virtually the, the, there's no room for the will of the people. No, this is true. No, it's a good point. Um, and you know it is as I say, it's a gargantuan task that so many people get turned off from it. But we'll see. Um, the main takeaway, though, as we say, the current leadership race will change none of this um mm -hmm. so it's interesting to watch but it's, it's basically gossip isn't it it's basically it's like talking about the tory leadership election and the you know the ins and the outs and who said this and who said that basically like talking about love island the next day uh with your friends uh for those who do that it's it's no different i always think this about the royal family gossip as well when we say about this wedding and this person said this and this person cried when this person said this let's be honest it's gossip it, people think it's serious because we're talking about the royal family and, and therefore it must be a very serious issue, which is very profound. No, you're gossiping. And not that there's necessarily a bad thing about gossip because I think uh, gossip probably actually in conservative terms is, is very helpful for establishing social norms. Um, mm. So no problem with that. But let's not pretend that it's anything other than gossip. Um, yeah, I mean, the day it'll change nothing. Ultimately, it, it belongs in Tatler, not, not, the, not the BBC. Yes, or in Bulbrook. Um, or, or in or in Bournemouth, uh, serious, serious magazine and 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 soon to be book publisher. There you are. Well, since we've gone full circle, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Thank everybody for listening. Thank you, and hope you have an enjoyable weekend and that you are as excited by the prospect of a Bournemouth book publisher as we are. Thank you. <laughs>